This podcast is presented by the Bet Parks online casino and sportsbook app. New customers download now and get up to $1,000 in casino bonus back if you're not a winner in your first 24 hours. See BetParks.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 in PA, New Jersey, Maryland, Michigan, or Ohio. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult to Today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation semi annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal too. Schedule a no obligation in home estimate now. Call 866 Nation or visit windownation.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to BGN Radio. Eagles outside linebacker Connor Barwin joins us. I heard you guys are the best Eagles podcast there is out there in Philly, so I'm excited to talk to you guys. It's BGN Radio, episode number 171. Uh, sorry I'm not going to scream out the what's going on, Bleeding Green Nation, out of respect to my neighbors tonight. Uh, although I want to because it is the Sixers draft night as we're recording this. We want to thank you uh, all for listening out there, whether it's on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, uh, your mom's basement with a connecting phone can to our windows. Wherever you are out there, we thank you so much. And of course, uh, five-star reviews are appreciated Wherever you're listening to us, or you can uh, give us a bunch of hearts. Hearts are the new thing for SoundCloud there, James Elter. Welcome in, sir. How are you? <laughs> I think a lot of people are giving their hearts to Brian Colangelo tonight. Yes, they are. And I'm sure that uh, through the mailbag, of course, we're going to stick with a lot of Eagles stuff. But I did, see, I did see some Sixers questions in the mailbag. And more importantly, coming today, uh, we sat down with superstar Hall of Famer, future Hall of Famer, yeah, I love, I love, Cox. I love. Real quick, you got to do the do the announcement again. But I love how you just jump the gun. Just do it as Hall of Famer. Let, let's just roll with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hall <laughs> of Famer Fletcher Cox is joining the show. He's coming up in just a little bit. He was down in Atlanta. He hooked up with uh, Gatorade, which is you know what is interesting. Oh, you know he talks about it a little bit. We talked to him earlier this week. But do you remember? I don't know, if you, James. Do you play. High school, middle school, football, anything like that? I sure did. I was captain of my high school football team. Look at the, look at me trying to question whether that? James Seltzer was questioning. So, so we weren't we weren't very good. Yeah. I'll yeah, just neither, say that. Neither were we. Actually, the only time that I was on a good football team was Pop Warner, Lenape Valley. What's up? The uh, only time I was on a good football team was when I was controlling it with a Madden controller. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Pretty much, this goes the same for a lot of a lot of Eagles fans out there too. It was kind of interesting though because they. They got together uh, to, he went down to Atlanta to just talk about how important hydration was. And I think J.J. Watt's done it in the past and a bunch of other people have done it in the past. Do you remember those 
two days in middle school and high school when every single coach would be yelling at you if you wanted water or a Gatorade dude, or something like dude, that? Dude, dude, I like my it was like terrifying because my senior year we had a, a new coach who coached in the Catholic League and he used to like call us like, you know, women and this and that oh, and yeah. like and someone on the team told the the nurse, you know, like the the lady who, you know, I, I, she wasn't a nurse. She was like the sports um, nurse. Anyway, someone told her about it and she went out and she was like, you have to give these kids water. Like it's, you know, it's summer. It's, it's doing like two a days. And, and he was like, he was like, yeah, yeah, sure. Whatever. And when she went in, he cursed us out and he was like, now you're never getting water. It was like crazy. Oh yeah. <laughs> there used to, really, uh, there used to be a real different culture with this stuff. And then, and then, you know, Corey Stringer passed away and, and people realized, oh shit. This is hey, serious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we shouldn't mess around. When you uh, when you dehydrate your muscles, they t- you your peak performance actually goes down. It was it's so crazy how far it's kind of come from from that. Like you were you were weak if you couldn't do it, or you were just like James would say, like you're a woman. You got made fun of. So I actually think uh, it is really important for these guys to go down there and teach these kids and make them make them aware that you know hydration equals goodness instead of like weakness it's so crazy to me and you even go back even even movies like remember the titans you know it's just like you don't you know we're just yelling about coach we need a water break you know like even stuff like that all that mentality of of needing water is kind of uh kind of come along so it was uh, it was interesting to kind of hear that i didn't even realize that had been going on it's been going on for 12 years so well, we'll talk to Fletcher Cox in just a little bit. And, you know, we're in the dead zone here, James. So it's we're I think we officially hit it. So maybe not this episode, but I think we need to get the whole gang together relatively soon because I think we did a phenomenal job of just yelling about things when we're getting frustrated about think pieces and just the NFL in general. So I think that's that's due up first. Just a couple of quick Eagles notes that have been going on. Our, our former friend Mark Sanchez got caught up in a Ponzi scheme this past week with uh, a couple of other notable athletes. Actually, escapes in my mind. I think it was it was uh, Roy Oswald and oh, that's Jake, right. Jake Peavy were the other two names that uh, came out that For I like saw at least thirty million dollars or something like that something, total, or hundred yeah. million dollars is crazy. Yeah, yeah, not well, not not the best to have that happen to you. So what is the deal with athletes falling for just like terrible, awful uh, business that engagements? That is a great, great question, John, because you would think that, you know, and and I think obviously there are reasons and, you know, there's the whole athletes going broke thing and all that. But you would think in these situations, especially when it's not like um, younger athletes being taken advantage of, you know, it's different when it's someone who has a bad business manager or this or that. But like when it's someone like Jake Peavy or, or Oswald or, or Sanchez, who've been around for a long time and have been in these circles and, and you would think have seen these types of scams or things along these lines before that they would be a, a little bit more, and maybe they were careful, but maybe a little bit more careful, I suppose. But um, it's crazy. I mean, these people must, these Madoffs and these people who who convince these, you know, athletes or, or prominent people to give them all this money, they, they they just must be the most charismatic, like, salespeople on the his, in the history of the planet. You know what I mean? It's just, they just must have that ability to, to make you believe them and trust them and believe in you enough and... Obviously, they're just unbelievable liars. Yeah, I just think I would, you know, I would just shut shut it down if I didn't know anybody. And even with, it's crazy too, because uh, not that 
John Oliver's gospel here. I'm not, I'm not saying that, but I catch his show every now and again, and he brings up those things all the time as far as like, you know, even financial advisors, they don't know what they're doing. Like if somebody, <laughs> they can yeah. just be taking your money. Like they're just saying, oh, yeah, we're just going to scoop 8% for no reason whatsoever. Yeah, sure, your 401k absolutely. or whatever. Yeah, Everybody most people don't know money. enough to, to, you know, know if they're being taken advantage of until it's too late. Which is uh, it, one of the things I wanted to find out with our first guest here, actually our only guest on the show. And he should be the only guest on the show because Fletcher Cox is, uh, it's hard not to find something to, you know, not like about him. Like he's such, some, seems like such a great guy. And uh, we were so happy that he joined us this week. So this was uh, myself and Fletcher Cox uh, this week on the uh, BGN Radio Hotline. Fletcher, what's going on, man? How are you? Good. How you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, you're down in Atlanta today, and you're doing some pretty important things with Gatorade. What's uh, what's going on down there? Well, today I'm here um, in Atlanta um, with um, with a lot of kids, and um, I'm here with Gatorade with, um, with the Beat the Heat program. Um, the Beat the Heat program really is just, it's just, um, it's, you know, with the athletes, um, teach a lot of a lot of the kids and any athletes in, in all sports about just basically about the importance of hydrating the body when it's hot outside. You know, you can't. I don't think you can, you know, push that enough on on any other kids or any athletes about how how important hydration is. Yeah, and that's uh, that's kind of. I was I was thinking about that because I remember just you know even playing in middle school and high school how it was kind of weak if you wanted water if you wanted a Gatorade or something like that. So I think that's pretty cool and very important going forward. I, uh, more on the football side, especially with the Eagles, has it sunk in, man, that you are the hundred million dollar man now? Are you having fun with that? <laughs> well, I don't think it. I don't think it really has sunk in. I mean, maybe a little bit, but. Uh... I just think I just you know I'm very blessed to 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 have that happen and you know my family's happy the the community is you know happy and they they are looking forward to to the new to the um, to the 2016 season and it's kind of interesting too is because I know like with most with any athlete at the top of their sport it's always kind of you know the the, the money thing is all in public does that kind of have to does that change the way you have to go out. In public, do you have to kind of be, you know, a little bit different, a little more aware of what's going on? I mean, that's uh, that's any uh, professional athlete. I think you know, always be aware of um, you know where you at and you know what you're doing, basically, because because you always have that target on your back. Um, and I think uh, you know, really just you know, just being smart and and decision making. And you know, it's kind of uh, a lot of people were obviously. I think we're all were excited when you kind of got signed up here and everything was taken care of. And then the next thing on everybody's mind, Eagles-wise, well, are they going to be able to keep Benny Logan? So how important is it for you to have Benny Logan, I guess, with you as this thing kind of gets built up here and Jim Schwartz comes in and, uh, you know, and builds this thing together? How important is it to have Benny Logan next to you? I think, as you can see, uh, the moves that and, and the things that the Eagles did um, early in the offseason to keep the players that they drafted. And I think that says a lot, and uh, it says a lot about the organization, you know, wanting to keep the players that that they brought in because they know what those players are capable of doing, and you know, they know how that organization operates. So, with that being said, I mean, I, I you know, it'd be great, great, you know, uh, you know, Benny stay around, and I know that, you know, Benny would love to stay there. And uh, it, like I said, man, I'm looking forward to it. And how is your relationship with with Jim Schwartz so far? I know it's just kind of OTAs and. You're still not getting into training camp and everything yet, but what's what what does that feel like? What's the differences between 
you know, uh, Jim in the in the former defensive coordinator? Well, I mean, I just I haven't I only been around Jim for three days, and that was the three days of minicamp. And uh, I mean, just um, he demand he demand greatness, man. He don't he he's not gonna settle for for for, for mediocre stuff. You know, he wanted done the way he wanted done, and that's the only way. So um, I mean, he brings a lot of energy, and he gonna, he gonna get out to the quarterback. Which, which is, I think, makes us all sudden. You're finally finally getting released. Is that the difference between, you know, being in a one-gap or two-gap system, or is it really the difference between a 3-4 and a 4-3 for you? Well, I mean, you know, man, I think I can play in both. I mean, any defense that they put me in, um, it's just, just, having to, just having to embrace it and, and buy into whatever, you know, whatever coaches, you know, want you to do. And um, for the last three years, I, you know, I was in the 3-4 defense, um, you know, two-gap, and, and now they, they ask me to do something different. So. I, mean, I guess that, that's part of being, you know, uh, it's part of being a professional. And I think a lot of people, including myself, like have already compared you to, you know, you're the you're the next Jerome Brown, you're the next Reggie White, and I think you even convinced, you know, Rex Ryan last year after he wasn't quite buying into the hype, and then you had that game against the the Buffalo Bills, and he kind of switches tune. Do you think you can be as good as those guys, or even better than those guys? Well, I just think I just—I mean—the main focus is um, for me is just to go out and and uh, just do um, just whatever, you know, whatever that, that I can do to help the team win. And uh, I think uh, I think the numbers and stuff—they'll come. Um, but I mean, uh, those guys—you know, Reggie and Jerome were great, great guys, and you know, and that says a lot to be even be to even to even be compared to those guys. So uh, I just think uh, we're just taking one step at a time and and just see where I end up. All right, Fletcher Cox, defensive tackle from the Eagles. We appreciate your time, my friend. Uh, and again, just a, a great thing you're doing down in Atlanta this afternoon. We appreciate the time. Yes, sir. Thank you. So there you go. I mean, I I think it's it's interesting that he mentioned, yes, uh, the, the way this regime is treating a lot of these guys here, he expects Benny Logan to get re-signed. You know, he, he's going to take, they're going to take care of the draft picks that they've taken. And Howie Roseman kind of made that as a, he didn't really need to say that. He just signed his, signed his guys up here. So, um, you know, I, it, I guess that's been a worry for, for a lot of people does. And we got, we went over this last week, James, but I wanted to get your perspective too. Can they find a way to make Benny Logan and everybody on this line stick together? Cause I think they, sh- they, they have to, they have to find a way. Uh, and really, they're going to lose. I think they're lo- going to lose a lot of that cap room that everybody's worried about when Bradford comes off, and you still have Wentz under a rookie contract, and a lot of these guys that can be cut or moved around, or their contracts can be redone. So I, I don't, I don't foresee a problem re-signing Benny Logan at all. Yeah, I don't know specifically Benny Logan if it'll be an issue, but I, I do think that the way they've spent money, uh, you know, if some of the the contracts they've signed don't work out they could be in some trouble if they if they have some more holes to fill than they expect or or guys that they're counting on long term either aren't what they expected or have injuries or whatever you know significant long-term injuries um they could be in a lot of trouble because they don't have nearly the flexibility they used to but um you know when you look at it on a, a per contract basis and a per deal basis it's really hard other than you know like you said the quarterback position and obviously not Wentz but um, you know, the Daniel Bradford and it Bradford only for a year, really not that bad. So, uh, I, you know, on a per contract basis, they're all they're all fine. You know, they're, they're solid deals for the most part. So, um, you know, I think they'll be able to create, uh, you know, flexibility, maneuverability to, to get guys like Benny Logan signed if they want to, which I, I think they will. 
Um, but I, I think that their draft picks are going to have to hit because I don't think they're going to be able to supplement as well, you know, with free agents or, or outside guys. And I think that comes down, uh, you know, we have that, I think it's said all the time, if Wentz hits, if you have a franchise quarterback, a lot of those things don't matter as much. You can yeah, fill some absolutely. of those holes in free agency. You can have some of those fourth or fifth rounders be nice role players. You don't have to have these big superstar guys on the outside because of how good your quarterback is, and that's yet to be determined here. Um, and that's kind of the, the next thing we should kind of talk about here because I, I, I get the sense, and I know Mark Saltvite it, it probably isn't the biggest Doug guy. I don't think we're the biggest Doug guys, and it's not, it's not even that, too. It's just that we don't know. You know, Doug's such a random wild card, Andy feeling type of thing that it doesn't really instill any confidence early, but he's got to play some football games. He's got to coach some. He's got to scheme some up. And I noticed over the landscape, because I was talking with the Crossing Broad guys earlier this week about the same situation. I think it's in everybody's mind of, uh, you know, the Flyers and the Sixers have the brighter future. They have the deepest pipeline, et cetera, et cetera. And then... Eagles are usually at the bottom of that list as for now. You know, I know it's June and uh, almost July. Is that maybe the right outlook? You know, should we be looking at this team a little more optimistically here? Because they they did restructure some of that offensive line that I think is going to be there. I think they've created a really good defense despite the uh, linebacker depth that they have here. Uh, the, you know, the NFC East is, I think you have to, respect how bad it is <laughs> in a way be, and and just be like well if even if it's just Bradford in there with this group and yeah they don't have we're unsure about running backs we're unsure about wide receivers they should be competing here and uh, I know there's not a lot to look at in the pipeline and that's just, it's different than baseball it's different than the NBA it's different than hockey like all of those guys have massive farm systems they get drafted when they're 18 when they're 19 when they're 20 so I think it's really hard to compare that uh, to just what's in front of you know folks here and they're looking at the Eagles future uh, maybe they maybe or maybe not they're paying attention to the next couple of years of what's coming out in the NCAA but you know, there's going to be a lot of running backs next year. There's going to be a lot of different things that they can they can fill there with the linebacking core. Should we be a little more optimistic about the outlook of the Eagles? I think it's an interesting question. Look, I think the perception of it, the way it's phrased, is is kind of what where a little of the pessimism comes from because I would put them last of the four Philadelphia teams in terms of brightest long-term future, personally. Um, but that doesn't mean that they don't have an, a, a, a potentially bright future. You know, I mean, it, it's just for me, they have the most question marks about that future. And obviously, I'm sure a lot of people will get at me about the Phillies or whatever. But I mean, with the Phillies, you can see the, the build exactly what they're doing. I mean, they've the prospects that they have on the way and what they have in place. I mean, I get it. Um, and, and I get what the Eagles are trying to do. It's just there's a lot that relies on the shoulders of of a kid from North Dakota. And, you know, it's really such a, it's such a make or break thing for the franchise, the way they've kind of positioned these pieces. So um, as a result of that, and as a result of the fact that, you know, prior to, to, you know, January of this year or whatever, I had never heard of Carson Wentz before. So I, I can't, you know, I sure. I like the measurables. There's stuff I like. He seems like a smart dude. He's won me over with his, 
you know, his attitude and all that and the way, you know, he seems like a really bright guy, but I don't, I don't fucking know if Carson Wentz is going to be great or not. I, I hope he is and I'm optimistic about it, but, um, you know, between him and, and the Peterson thing, which again, like you said, I, I know it's, we're not hating him. We're not saying he's going to be a terrible coach. We're just saying that, that I, I don't know. And he hasn't done anything to inspire a ton of optimism in me, you know, inside me yet. So, you know, as a result, when you look at it compared to the four teams and other three teams in Philly, I, I just, I feel more sure of, of what their future can be. Um, but at the same time, I, I think comparatively, sure, I think you should be optimistic about this team. I, I certainly think they can compete in a bad division this year. I don't think they'll win the division, but I, I don't think they, you know, I don't think it's off the table. And, you know, again, if Wentz can, you know, learn this year and at some point get out there and, and develop and, and take over next year legitimately and, and progress and grow, uh, you know, then, yeah, of course, you should be absolutely optimistic about the future. There's just a lot of ifs in there for me to, to be 100% all in, you know, this is totally going to work. And I'm trying to think of, you know, like even if Wentz doesn't do great, how much is that really going to set them back? You know, I know that they are, and maybe if it's just, if you're just looking at this draft, I think you'd be like, oh God, that, that hurt, that hurt a lot. Um, depending on you know how the rest of the guys work out. I know a lot of us had our, our favorite players here and one's in Dallas and I, that's going to be a constant reminder if that kind of gets flipped. And I'm sure that there will be a lot of annoying tweets in the first six weeks if Wentz isn't out there and, and you know, Elliot's mm. killing it. So I, I am sure that it's bound to happen. We're all going to overreact to that. And I'm one of them. And I'm just th- you know, looking at like, all right, could there be some patchwork in there? I mean, would you let's for whatever reason, if Washington doesn't want Kirk Cousins in here and you need to grab a quarterback for whatever reason? Sure, I guess that's an option for next. I mean, it doesn't listen. I'm not trying to say that like, oh, don't worry. Uh, Kirk Cousins will fix everything if Carson Wentz is in here. I'm just saying that there might be a couple of options. You know, well, I mean, like, I'm really trying to put on the Eagles goggles for this year, too, big time. I don't, I I think if Wentz is a disaster, I think they're they're in really, really bad shape unless they get incredibly lucky. As far as an outlook, yeah. I mean, it's, they kind of have just kind of, Man, they there is yeah the saddles right there. Isn't it? There's no way of, there's no real way of out, out explaining it. So I guess the next question is when should that really? Oh, I mean, like when should anybody be optimistic about this team? Period. You know, if we're if we're struggling to find like okay, why are the why are the Eagles at four? Basically, I guess you just need to see Carson Wentz throw a football against live NFL competition, and that might inspire something in there you know whether that's exactly. preseason or whether that's yes. training camp i think that's what we're all dying for is can this i understand that he's going to need time i understand that he's not going to be perfect right away and he's going to look like a rookie but i'm still on the he needs to play at some point like he needs to play at some point i don't need sam bradford or chase daniel taking up his time which is again i you know could rehash that old debate of like why the hell is he still here i get it you're trying to compete you're trying to win whatever but so I, I, I guess people's minds are going to change when Carson Wentz hits the field, and that's that's pretty much it, right, James? I mean, there's nothing else that I can really think of that was is going to pump up the optimist. It's not like Ryan Matthews is going to come in here and be like, "Oh my God, that's a game changer right there," you know? Yeah, and maybe exactly. I tell you what, maybe it is the defense. 
But well, and, well you know, I, that's where I was. I think the defense is going to get people pumped. Schwartz, we've talked about this all offseason. I think we're all excited for it. And once it comes back, there will be excitement and optimism. This Eagles fan base, you know, we can look. We were talking Super Bowl last year, and it went about as bad as it could be. So, you know, I think people will find reasons for optimism. Uh, and I think just seeing Carson Wentz at any point and, and him hopefully not looking like, you know, Blaine Gabbert when he first went out on the field or something like that, you know, that would that would help too. Uh, but, you know, it's just, it's, you know, I think there it's a real limbo right now because I think that this fan base, we've become very jaded in the sense, obviously, that, you know, we came so close for so long and this is not, you know, breaking news, but anything, we just want a Super Bowl title. That's all we care about. And, and obviously, you know, it's fun to win games and it's fun to get there, but, you know, ultimately that's all we care about. And, and this season with going up to get Wentz, even if, you know, you don't believe that starting him right away is the best move, uh, you know, with this team isn't winning a Super Bowl, no matter how good the defense is, the way it's constituted right now. So it just feels like a, a lost season and just kind of, I just feel like there's a general kind of malaise over the team and the season because, you know, it's like, who really cares? You know, it's hard to care knowing that what the team's ceiling is. And who knows, maybe Bradford comes out and all of a sudden at 31, everything finally clicks or whatever. But, you know, I don't know. It's just, it just feels very, you know, it just feels very, it feels just like I, I don't, you know, it feels like I'm, because because if, if Wentz were starting, at least I would be able to root for the kid and root for maturation and watch that over. And like, yeah, I'm rooting for the defense and I'm rooting for young guys to grow and stuff like that and be ready for Wentz is ready, when Wentz is ready. But it's still, there's just something that just doesn't feel, you know, doesn't have that same excitement or enthusiasm because of, of the, you know, lost year feeling. But maybe that's what our mindset more or less needs to be. Instead of looking at this like, okay, these guys are going to be able to semi-compete in the NFC East. These guys will be here to do that, you know, like blah, 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 instead of having that, because what what is it that we really want as Eagles fans? Do we really want to be in the Super Bowl this year? Is that our expectation? Is it to be in the playoffs? Is it to do all that? I think if we have the mentality set of, okay, we really want to see how this defense gels together because we think there's something special there as that idiot John Barchard keeps constantly comparing him to the 1981 Bears and they have the talent. They just need something to put it together. Uh, and I think that's more or less how I'm going to approach it. So Sam Bradford is well, – Sam Bradford is not my uh, Doug Peters. Sam Bradford's like my Mike McMahon. See, there's another <laughs> damn Bears reference. In it. I don't know. Like, it's just like – I don't know what it is. I, I don't – I consider him – Sam, Just the the placeholder. He is like, on he is on the slowest train out of town in the history of trains out of town. Yeah, and that's what's just. I think that's more frustrating to me than the actual pick, than the picks kind of after him. And I I am just a I get, I'm such a firm believer in just getting guys' experience. And I I don't think the and not to say that like look, Ruben Randall's probably not going to be here next year. Chris Givens is probably not going to be here next year. A lot of these guys aren't. We'll have to see what happens with Nelson Aguilar. We'll have to see, you know, Jordan Matthews, are they going to put him outside? They flirted with that again. Okay. But I would rather those younger guys that are here just grow with 
Wentz and grow with the offense the same that the same way you're doing it on the defensive side of the ball. Those guys are gelling together, right? Malcolm Jenkins has been here with those guys. He's got he's got somebody new to his left, but that's okay. The other guys are still in front of him. Those are familiar faces. He gets to see Eric Rowe again. Those guys are he gets to be the leader for those guys. I don't know what Sam Bradford does for those guys on the offensive side of the ball. So I instead of constantly reminding myself of that and punching myself in the face, I think it's just a good idea to just go, okay, let's see how this develops for the next couple of weeks here. If Bradford does really – because I, I, now I'm – it's it's this weird thing where, like, I, I understand I'm the Bradford stand, you know. I, I, I get it. I, I'm literally you, the only you're one – owning in, it? I, oh, I'm totally owning it, I, and I should because I'm the only guy in Philadelphia that I think Sam Bradford can still be a decent top 15, top 10 quarterback. It, it, maybe this the West Coast offense will <laughs> – I don't know. I'm, I'm probably kidding myself here, but uh, – more or less so, like that's going out of my head, and then I also you're at the like, same you're time, like, like the guy in the straight jacket who just keeps I'm totally, like muttering to himself. I, I, I write. I'm not crazy. I, 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 I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy. I spent one summer of constantly vining. I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy. Um, and I, I just think that, and so that's going on. And at the same time, I'm so pissed that he's still here because I want the goodness to come. Like I want the things to come. So it, to to get rid of all that, I think it's just. All right, one by one, let's let's see how does Ruben Randall really belong in any offense. Let's just go with that. You know, I think you just got to see the development of the guys I, that I they have we, here I mean, in the I think offensive line. The answer is no to the Ruben Randall thing. No, I think we but, but probably. I, know, I just I'm like just, I'm kidding, but I'm with you. I, I think <laughs> isn't it interesting though? You're bringing it up, and I'm thinking this whole time. I'm like, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm like, is there ever been an Eagles player I disliked more? And not even for like, you know, being a bad person or anything. Like, I just, I, or, or maybe disliked is the wrong word. Has there ever been an Eagles player you wanted to see less on the field than Sam Bradford? <laughs> I mean, seriously, like, get the fuck out of here. Like, yes, nobody yes. wants you here. Oh, it's brutal, man. It's brutal. And that whole thing kind of set this up just to kind of explode. You know, that offseason just, man, it totally, that, and that's what I mean. Like, that's, I, I. It's just every time I try and think about it, I get a headache of like, why, why are did they keep him here? It doesn't. It just it doesn't make any sense to me. It still doesn't. And I'm gonna go into the loony bin. So rather than going into the loony bin, <laughs> let's get to some questions and open up the BGN uh, mailbag. We want to hear from you. Call the Duncan Philly Anytime Hotline. Leave us a message and we'll put you on the air. 267-245-6066. That's 267-245-6066. Or tweet your thoughts to us at BGN underscore radio. All right, so some people I think got confused just a tiny bit and because we said Fletcher Cox is going to be on the show and we get and thank him and uh, and Emily and everybody out there that kind of put that together, and BLG was the man for for uh, making that together. So there are a couple of questions directed at Fletcher Cox, but that's okay. But we'll start. Uh, you could always with... answer them pretending to be Fletcher. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess so. Um, this coming from uh, Wool A. Gilliams, which I'm guessing is a spoonerism for Joel A. Williams, which is a fantastic. What is your favorite meme, James Elzer? Oh, man. 
Oh, like this is like... Is it the tea lizard? I know that set everybody on fire when the... <laughs> The uh, did you see that this week? The Good Morning America uh, ran with a trill a trill balls joke of making fun I of the I did Terminator. not, but that's oh my pretty God. amazing. Yeah, it uh, set the world on fire. So shouts to them. I, I I'm probably gonna say, I mean, it definitely the the Kermit was probably still my favorite meme going last year. The crying Jordan for some reason it can't works. Can't get enough of it. Yeah. Can't get enough. Yeah, of all it. right. Here's the thing. I because I don't know what I would say all all time is, but. I saw someone uh, uh, put the the hideous Steph Curry shoe on, uh, yes. on Michael Jordan's face. I was like, that is that is that is just gold, right? There. It works everywhere, you it, know. It was too good, so so I'll I'll, go, I'll roll with that. Yeah, Curry's wife cutting a pie, and it was just the the Michael Jordan crying face. Like everybody, and everybody's so quick. Yeah, it's, yeah, that's uh, the it's great. John, that's the thing. Everyone's so quick and so creative. It really is. It's it's. You wonder what these people could be doing if they were actually putting that creativity and brain power to something. You know, positive. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I love it. Keep doing what you do. It's amazing. Uh, this is from uh, VW Bleeds Green at VW Bleeds, Bleeds Green. So last year, Ja'Cory Shepard was going to be the next great cornerback. Does he even make the roster this year, James Zeltzer? John, I, when did I miss the memo that Ja'Cory Shepard was going to be the next great cornerback? I, I, I feel like got, that, I feel like that like would have... three days of uh, OTA hype. It was like a couple articles like Ja'Cory Shepard, they like him in the slot. Uh, let's not get carried away here. He was a sixth-round pick. Granted, you know, he, he had the injury and maybe could have gone a couple rounds sooner, but he was by no means a, a lock of a prospect. Um, you know, I, I don't... I think we're getting carried away there. A, and B, look, drafted by the Chip Kelly regime, so... It's not like there is, uh, you know, and that was the draft that, that Chip theoretically had full control over. So, um, you know, you can't really expect that this regime to be too too tied to him. But having said that, you know, I, I, I don't know. I think he's one of those fringe guys. But the, with the depth in the secondary, I wouldn't be shocked if, if he made it. But, you know, I, I don't think it's a huge loss one way or the other. See, I think I have the opposite opinion because I loved the pick when it happened. So I was kind of already on the... Ja'Cory Shepard hype train. I don't think there's, unless the knee really keeps him back, the ACL keeps him back, I don't see how he doesn't make the roster, to be honest. I think he's I think he's a guy that can play on the outside. And to kind of figure that out with some depth there, you know, I, I think he definitely makes uh, makes the roster. So we'll see. It'll be it'll be interesting to kind of see how that happens. Uh, what is the biggest difference this year from a new defensive coordinator besides the switch to the 4-3? Again, I think this was directed at Fletcher Cox. Uh, this is at Swavy721, uh, who uh, kind of checked in there. So uh, I, I'll answer it as if I were Fletcher Cox, because okay. Jim Schwartz is the fucking man, and Billy Davis is not the fucking man. <laughs> That's basically what we asked him, and he's just like, man, he's like, Jim... Jim wants the best daddy. Yeah, I mean, you, <laughs> could, awesome. you could you could definitely That's tell awesome. like that there was like a a major difference, and I kind of brain farted there, so I apologize. I didn't I didn't even mention Billy Davis's name. I just said the other defensive coordinator. <laughs> that, no, you know what? I think that's appropriate. Yeah. So I was just like, yeah, I'm just gonna let that. I'm gonna <laughs> let that ride out. Yeah, that is amazing. I, I, and you could just tell too that he's just like you know Fletcher. I can play anywhere. I can do a three four four three one gap two gap. You put me on there. I'm gonna kill people. So I think that's. You know, I again, this was always my biggest beef. I don't think it was the difference between a 3-4 or 4-3. I think it gets thrown out there. It's the difference of 
him reading and reacting now in it or was reading and reacting in a two gap system versus a one gap system where you just knock the snot out of whoever's in front of you and that's what Fletcher Cox I think is is best at so to get that man interior pressure is uh, I, I I can't wait you know and then uh, as even uh, you know what uh, what Matt described him as the uh, Hulk hipster, Mr. Connor Barwin, get in there and clean up <laughs> whatever pressure you know Brandon Graham can be in there, and that's just uh, that's very exciting to me. Uh, what uh, is our prediction for the upcoming season? This is coming from a good friend, Matt Gumbrecht, James Elter. What do you have them this year? Love Matt. Shout out Matt. Uh, I have them. I have them at seven and nine this season, uh, but I could see six and ten or eight and eight. But I'm going to go seven and nine. Yeah, I'm going to say uh, I'm going to say eight and eight as well. Um, and this other question, I again, I think these were for Cox, but we'll answer them anyway. What half shirt comments slash trash talk will you make to Ezekiel Elliott uh, when he gets tackled for a loss this season, James? Ooh. Um. Nothing, because he can beat my ass. So I'm just gonna well, shut up and say, "Nice play, Zeke." Probably the same, but probably uh, I can't really. It's gonna be weird. It'll don't, probably, yeah. Don't let the belly shirt fool you, okay? Dude is a beast. <laughs> um. Oh, here we go. Uh, it's relating much more to this evening, and you know, we asked for these questions a couple of days ago. So, uh, this is from uh, Astroplane Triumph McCloud. Sling in some uh, Sixers-ish. Uh, trade Noel, uh, Noel or Okafer. Obviously, that didn't happen tonight. And Simmons or Ingram. I think both me and James were definitely on the Simmons train. And, in fact, most of the Sixers people that, you know, were kind of chatting to us says it's not even close. It wasn't even close between those two guys. And I think they made the right selection tonight. But, yeah, well, we can talk. So, uh, for those of you that want more Eagles stuff, maybe skip ahead. Uh, 10 minutes from right now because I think we'll spend a good 10 minutes on the Sixers because I think it's important to look and see offseason. There's nothing going on. I know that there's a Sixers podcast, but most of us are four for four people here. Uh, and I, I just think, first of all, with all of the all the craziness that was going back and forth here of just Woj bombs coming out here and there, you know, the Sixers were involved with a bunch of trade talks with Boston and then they weren't. And then the Boston's owner gets upset and says, we were never going to do that. And then they decided to draft poorly throughout this whole thing. They're stealing one out of the Boston Bruins playbook and just drafting awful guys, uh, which made me happy, you know, for all the Danny Ainge is so smart crap that was going on here. Um, And there were some leading up to the week, James, that I thought, you know, Brian Colangelo's doesn't, the, the the process that he's going through, the where his head's at, I wasn't quite sure. Again, those all could be reports that they were going to give up the 24-26 Nerlens Covington for three, and I think that's okay. I think that's a little bit of an overpay, but hell, if that gets you third pick and Chris Dunn to, to line up with him, I was, I was on board with it. Nothing really happened there, uh, but overall, I think they did a... <laughs> I think they did a good job. So so far, so good for Brian Colangelo's first run at this thing. John, I, I'm ecstatic, I, especially because, uh, first of all, shout out to the Danny Ainge is not infallible, uh, uh, you know, lesson we learned tonight, which was great because <laughs> yeah. you're absolutely right. I, as you know, I, I work at a sports radio station and I heard weeks 
of people saying, you can't trade with Danny Ainge. He'll always win every single time. It's like, <laughs> shut the hell up. Like, yes. so, so that was very nice to see. And, and look, I'm happy. And, and, uh, Colangelo has come out and said that those reports were false, but who knows, you know, he's not going to say they were true, obviously, because he's not going to say Noel was on the table or whatever. Roko. Um, but, I, I, I'm happy that it appears that he wasn't so, you know, trigger happy, so itchy to make a deal, so itchy to put an imprint on the team that, you know, he overpaid. Like, you know, that that move, I would have been okay with it, but it does feel like an overpay to me. Um, you know, I'm happy they had patience, and it felt very strange because at least, I don't know about your, your Twitter timeline and, and the Sixers fans that you were listening to, but John... Uh, it seemed like that people were getting upset that that they weren't trading up, you know, and that it was a big <laughs> deal. It was like it was like we've waited years and you can't be patient tonight. Like really, like why we don't have to have a, a a top five guard as well this year. Guess what? There are better guards coming out next year. They have all kinds of assets for the high, you know, top of the draft. This team wasn't going to be good this year anyway. It's just about getting these guys together, getting Embiid out there on the court, seeing what what he can do and, and you know, the health. And, and obviously Simmons and getting him in here and starting to build the franchise around those two guys. And, I, you know, I think that's what we're going to see. I, I just think that people need to relax a little bit. Like, you know... I, it wasn't like these guys are transcendent guys. I liked Chris Dunn a lot. I liked Jamal Murray a lot. But those guys are not like, you know, all-time great, you know, prospects or anything. And just because they fit a need right now doesn't mean that it's worth giving up, you know, way too much just to make that type of trade. So so I think on the whole, and it does seem at least, again, I don't know, but, you know, the Sixers draft Twitter, all, all the smart people on there who know more about basketball than I do, uh, loved the two, you know, foreign guys that they got, Firkin and uh, and uh, uh, Mr. Wawa, Lawawa or whatever it is, um, which is just awesome. Lawalu, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, so it just seems like those were good. So it seems like, you know, they, they did well by standing pat and not overreacting or, or, you know, getting trigger happy. Well, I want to touch on that, too, because there was – I, I couldn't understand the well I, for people's perspective that may not know this I mean like or just didn't remember everybody got upset last year that they couldn't get back into the first round I remember that forever that was yep. a hinky criticism oh my god they could they could not do that all these second and, and round picks hey, I couldn't they do anything do? Yep. with them yep I remember and, and then just sometimes people don't want to do that because they'd rather just draft their guidance were a lot different in the NBA than than anywhere else. And they're doing the same thing with Colangelo this year. Look, I, look, I've been a critic of him. You know, I, yeah, I, I'm too. scared of him. I'm just like, yeah, but, you know, there's at some point, you, they just say no. And then the other thing that bothered me, and I saw this from many different people, like, oh, my God, the Sixers and Hinky got all these assets, and this is all you got to show it for him. Yeah, mm-hmm. you got the best basketball player in the draft, a guy that that has a wonderful French accent that can shoot from the outside and would be a great pairing eventually with Simmons because that's what they need. They need a guy that if they if the ball is going to run through him and Embiid, you need a guy to kick it out to, which Simmons is great at, and plus the Wawa sponsorship opportunities. Oh my goodness! I mean, come on here, and we we talked about the fact that Ingram needs to be there for. for for that purpose, too. And I was very on board with, hey, if you can work something out with the Lakers, great. If you can do something with Boston, great. Chris Dunn, just like James said, would have been a fantastic pairing for that, too. Some guys that can kick out and move around, and he's a guy that can uh, shoot a jumper off the dribble. 
not the greatest thing on earth. He's not like the only point guard ever that you couldn't get. I know that there was a lot of talks, and look, they're still trying to it's talking with Houston right now to get Beverly. I think that would be a good cheap option, and they've are hopefully that rumor was true about they turned down a, an offer already for trading Nerlens for him because again, he's not that great. So, and uh, but the Ingram thing, it was so funny because they talked about his wingspan and like, oh my God, you need a guy that's smooth and can score. And they might have got a lighter version of that with the 24th pick, honestly. 6'7", 205", 7'2", wingspan. Has a, a really nice stroke. Can't play defense, but that's not what he's there for, you know? Like, he's... I, I think they looked at this, and they're they're pairing up with what they need to, and they didn't want to make a bad deal, and they didn't tonight. So that you have to go with, okay. They, you know, they they poked around the Derrick Rose thing early on, really spooked me out. The Jeff Teague rumors, you know, spooked me out early on. But if you're kicking the tires on that just to see what's out there, they do need a point guard, and that's it. And, and, I, and I can't believe that people would be upset about any of this draft right now. I mean, this is just... Kind of how it goes, you know. I you look at you look at what the Celtics did and what the Kings did, and you got to be smiling ear to ear. That could be you. That could be you rooting for that franchise. And the Kings helped out the Sixers tonight once again because they're going to put together an awful team. They're making Boogie unhappy. The Celtics uh, or the Kings, uh, excuse me, I think now have four or five centers, so they have the same problem that the Sixers do. Except they're trying to compete. They weren't trying to tank and do all that other stuff, and that's not going to do anything but help the Sixers with the pick swaps and everything moving forward here, James. It's just, you know, I, I have to tip my hat to the Sixers tonight. We don't know what Firkin's going to be. Um, I think that's just kind of a whatever type of draft pick, and I don't know if he's going to be moved at all. Um, I don't know anything about him, but other than that, you've got two guys that I think, well, you got one guy that's especially going to be the core of this franchise and, and a guy that's got fantastic upside that was, but yeah, I know draft and mock boards don't mean much, but was supposed to be in the top 10. So uh, Sixers get that guy at 24 and let's fucking roll. Yeah. I, and again, those, those two don't even matter. Like, I mean, yes, they could be good. It's great. Whatever. Like 24 and 26, we came in saying they're not that important from a picks perspective. And it does look like they got value and, and maybe they will contribute, but all that matters and the reason that you can't be anything but elated with this draft is that the Sixers got the best player in the draft, a potential transcendent franchise guy who you could potentially build an NBA championship team around. That's it. What else matters? You got that guy tonight. Like this is a a, a, a celebratory night regardless of anything else. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's so funny too because – you know, it seemed like so many people were like, no, you can't trade Okafor. Oh, my God. How could you trade that guy? And then <laughs> and then they don't trade him, and people are freaking complaining. It's like you can't make anybody happy. Yeah, there's uh, – well, in the same with, like, some of the Nerlens thing. And I love – and I know if Patrick Wall was here, he'd be saying the same thing. Like, I love Nerlens, uh, but if, it, if you can get something that would complement the other three a lot better, that's why I was for – if that's what it's going to take to get you – done then I'm, I'm for that because that makes I think that makes a, a better rotation for you but regardless of that like yeah I don't I, I think it's because and look Sixers didn't have to do anything you know if they if they had to draft up uh, everything that they own to go get Ben Simmons uh, then I think it's okay to be like woof man I hope this works out but he was literally given to them on a silver platter because of what Sam Hinkie did 
That's it. I mean, and and the way that this team is set up is because of what they did. Those assets are there moving forward. It's not just in a in a one draft thing where, just like James was saying, like you have to. Oh my God, you have to put a team on the court. This oh, they don't have a point guard. Oh my God, you still have free agency. You still have the ability to make trades. Okafor could still get traded. Nerlens can still get traded. That stuff doesn't happen or need to happen immediately. And that's what I said long ago before. I'm fine with whatever they do. If they get a good deal, take it. If not, wait. It's, you know, people worried about diminishing returns. Come the deadline, if you don't want to, if you're in a playoff run, you want a big man, either defensively or a guy that can score at will that can't play defense. Well, they got two of them. And uh, that's, that's another time where you can go in and fleece those guys. Like, I, I just think that the, this what the Sixers have done so far leading up to this point, after a disappointing year, after we had expectations, after everything else, Ben Simmons in that in the royal blue 25 Sixers jersey is amazing. And I know it's, maybe it got spoiled because it was announced, you know, a, a couple of days before it happened. And we knew that with the, the Eagles and Wentz, so that was a little bit spoiled. But the moment that we knew it was going to happen was the most exciting part. What we're going to see it coming forward is the most exciting part. I was on this guy's nuts since November. And 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 I said it then, and I'll say, if it, if this leads up to them getting Ben Simmons, the three years was all worth it. That's how much I love this guy. Like, Ben Simmons is an absolute franchise changer. He is. And with him and Embiid together and... Who knows what else is going to come to? Even if Jeremy Lin comes here, who I know gets is is like 50-50 with a lot of people. Jeremy Lin in this offense with those two guys, fucking great. You know, you just need you just need a point. You need an average point guard, which there is so many of them, uh, and yet uh, so hard to find at the same time. It's just the weirdest weirdest complex the NBA has. But that's all you need to get the team growing, and then you keep building on and using those assets. Uh, into the, the next couple of years here. And when 2019 comes around and the Kings are picking number two and, <laughs> and the Sixers can just go, thank you, and then they're still making it into the, into the playoffs, much like you know the Celtics are supposed to do, but they're just not drafting well, uh, even when they're in the, in those positions. That's you know that's where we're at here. Anything to add here, James? I mean, I'm just I'm excited that there's kind of a, a another new continuing era in Sixers basketball and we get to get uh, even more excited this year. Yeah, I I don't I've said everything I need to say. I I totally agree. I'm I'm very very excited. Build the team around Simmons and Embiid. Get guys who complement them, and everything will work out. All right. As we're going out here, uh, Matt Gumbrecht also wanted us to update the Cowboys first round picks situation. So, uh, you know, we talked about Jerry Jones finding a couple of Marlboro Reds in a parking lot last week. <laughs> so that's an extra first round pick. Um, I'm just trying to see what it was, what has been going on in the uh, the Dallas Cowboys rumor mill. But uh, James, anything that pops out at you as far as you know, some extra first round picks that the Dallas Cowboys might have gotten and picked up this past week. That is a great question, John. Um, oh, you know what? You know what? Uh, I forgot. Des Bryant got sued uh, for uh, two hundred thousand dollars of damage to a rental home, so that's basically another first round pick. Right. Uh, the <laughs> Julius Randle, who's no longer with the team because he got arrested for burglary. Uh, he is uh, you know, he was charged for threatening a jail deputy. So that right there, I think, is another extra first round pick. And I let me just total up and carry the one. I think they're at 17 first round picks right now, James. It's it's, it's pretty insane what the Cowboys are doing down there. 
Yeah, they actually just got an 18th because Tony Romo said that without Brett Favre, the Packers aren't the Packers. Or and, and I mean, that's just dead on. <laughs> so I think that that automatically garners them pick. Um, yeah, you know. So I, I mean, that's pretty much a no brainer. Um, and, oh, you and know also, what? also, I believe, oh, yeah. I believe that they get a first round pick for every pick that the Mavericks make tonight. So I don't know what that is, but oh yeah, we didn't we didn't yeah. factor that. You got to think about that crossover picks. They get those uh, every time Mark Cuban tweets. It's another first round pick. So I mean, they're just going to be stacking. Them. Oh yeah, PFF uh, had Sean Lee as the number three uh, highest graded linebacker last season. So that gets an extra first round pick. So now we're at like twenty. Oh, oh, uh, oh! I saw four Dwight Howard to Dallas rumors within the last few <laughs> days. So I think you should give one per rumor. No. <laughs> the uh, let's see. Oh, Turkey Hill ice cream had a sale uh, at uh, Giant the other day, and you could actually get two for one. And as we all know, uh, Jerry Jones loves ice cream, so therefore, another first round pick. For them, so we're well, at, we're at twenty one. I, I think we just. I, yeah. I got one more. I'm sorry because this this oh, is wow. and this is a pretty big one. This actually might be worth multiple first round picks because I was told uh, from sources that the reason that England uh, has decided to, to break from the EU was in honor of Texas trying to secede from America back wow. in the day. Yes, and um and claim to be big cowboy fans as well. So, um, you know, it's I just think that's more picks. Yeah, exactly. And because that they are, you know, going away from Europe, the Dow futures have gone down 600 points. So I think you can find it right there. That is also going to be an extra first round pick uh, for the Dallas Cowboys. And uh, we appreciate everyone listening. Of course, uh, we have got uh, some news that we still have to get out there. We're still delaying it. We're still trying to figure some things out. But I promise you, we'll have uh, some news for you. Uh, pretty soon. I would say within the next two weeks, we'll, we'll kind of have this ramped up. But I think this should be an ongoing thing as far as like the, the Cowboys pick segment. We'll keep trying to find things and, uh, you know, get them uh, get them out to you. So once again, our big thanks to Fletcher Cox for joining the show this week. For myself, John, uh, John real quick, I'm sorry. I have to stop you on the Uh-oh. way out. We just got to be accurate here. Um, because it's Thursday, the Cowboys were awarded another first round pick. Oh, that's so. right. I forget. Yeah, that's so. Right. And this podcast is coming out on Friday, so that that's going to be another by the time it's come out. <laughs> oh my goodness! Uh, it just it just won't stop. Uh, the rich keep getting richer down in Dallas. So much uh, for myself, Joe Barcher, and of course for Mr. James Elser. We want to thank you for listening to BGN Radio episode number one seventy one, right here on BleedingGreenNation.com and BGNRadio.com. You've been listening to BGN Radio right here on BleedingGreenNation.com. Fueled by Duncan Philly and part of the Liberty Broadcast Network. Folks, we have now reached our final destination of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. We realize you have a choice in podcasting. We thank you for choosing ours.